Hey guys, welcome to a brand new episode of An Asian Anthology. So, welcome to our third episode of An Asian Anthology podcast. Our topic for today is Asian pop culture and like being exposed to the Asian Asian media or Eastern media. So that being said, my first question is, uh, well, it's for both of us, but Wendy, if you'd like to answer, my first question is, when was the first time you've ever been exposed to Eastern culture or Asian culture? So being Chinese, um, I've always grew up watching Chinese dramas, I think. Mm. Like, as young as I can remember, I remember there, there's a Chinese um, channel and my parents would go on it and there's like specific times where dramas would air which is at eight and nine o'clock so like there's always two different like chinese dramas canto dramas or hong kong dramas anyways i only watch that i don't really watch like the mainland china stuff mm-hmm. so that's where it started and then when i was in like the end last year of high school so grade 12 i started getting into k-pop slash the Korean culture because I remember one of my friends, Mandy actually, she came over to my house and she was watching, I remember this specifically, she was watching The Airs and Oh my god, it's always the airs. Okay, I had no idea what like K drama was and whatever. And she was watching it and I just had to watch it with her because she was watching it. And I was uninterested at first, but then since that kind of sparked something in me, and then I watched the airs, I literally, that was my first K-drama. And I cried so much for that drama. I don't know why. There's like way sadder dramas, but that's what got me into it. That's what got me into (laughs) K-drama. What? Like, so... I don't know, like, um, I actually have a lot of free time right now because I just finished all of my studies, right? So, like, I was going through YouTube and all of my recommendations were, like, clips from the airs. And I was just, like, I think I I did, like, a three-hour binge watch of the airs and I realized why I liked it so much. Cause okay, it was, like, I can't rewatch it, though. Like, I think it's so boring now. Really? I okay, don't I think it's like. like it. <laughs> I feel like Korean dramas today have really evolved. Like, what we were watching in 2013 is so different from, like, what we're watching now. But for me, uh, the way I'm not even done. Okay, wait. Oh, sorry. (laughs) That's how I got into K-drama. But then, after I finished watching The Heirs, I watched this other drama, and it had the actor Nam Woo Hyung in it. And... I really, at the time, I really liked that drama. But again, looking back, it's like a really crap drama. Wait, what drama was it? It was something about angels or love. I don't remember. But oh, the, I know what the, you're talking about. The girl, the girl actress was also very young, like compared to the main lead. Wait, are you talking about the one where like they're from inf- like Infinite or something? Yeah, so that's how I got interest- introduced to K-pop because of that drama. Because afterwards, I looked into the actor, and then he was in Infinite. So I listened to Infinite songs, and then I liked Infinite. And then Infinite introduced me to EXO. And then, you know, just <laughs> there was a saying that once you get into K-pop, it's like a dark hole. You, like, you go in, and you can't come out. Honestly, 
yeah. <laughs> I yeah. Mean, like, so, yeah. And then for, yeah. I'm not really into like Japanese culture. Like I've watched a few mm-hmm. anime, but I'm not overly obsessed. Like I would like it, but I'm not that obsessed with it, but that's it. Oh, that's that's all, so that's all my Asian pop culture journey. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what about you? Um, so for me, like growing up in a Filipino household, I think like all of our Filipino listeners, if any of you are out there, could relate. But growing up, we always had uh, TFC or GMA, which were like the top two Filipino channels to have. And I pretty much learned Tagalog. Tagalog. Sorry, I said this in such a white, like a whitewash way. But I watched Tagalog. Um, that's how I learned Tagalog. Was pretty much through watching these shows growing up. Like they were pretty like. Like now looking back, a lot of these dramas, like Filipino dramas, were kind of kind of trash. Like they they went on for seven months, ten months, and like yeah, it was very long. And literally, like they were just going around in the bush, as what someone would explain it. But that's how I first got exposed to Asian media. But the first time I got exposed to K-pop was one of my best friends. Um, she was listening it. She was listening to IU in grade nine. After that, she was just like. She she was it was when IU released Good Day. Do you know like when she sang like those three high notes? Yeah. Like, yeah. So I she 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 told me to listen to it, and I honestly got obsessed with IU. Like she was my gate, like the gateway drug into K-pop. So I would listen to only her specifically, and then um, in grade ten, I remember I started getting into K dramas when you know like that time when Netflix started posting like Asian related dramas. And their first Asian drama that they posted on Netflix was Boys Over Flowers. And I'm not oh. even joking you, I binge watched that <laughs> in legit two days. It was so good. I was literally obsessed. But now looking back at it, it was so cringy. Like, it's actually pretty bad. <laughs> it's like, so bad. Yeah, I, honestly. I feel like a lot of people like Lee Min Ho, or Lee Min Ho's very famous in the K-drama world. But like, I don't really like like looking back, I don't really like any of his dramas. Even his yeah. most recent one, I was like, I, I don't think I finished it. I mean, to all the haters out there, like I mean, to all of the Lehman Ho fans out there, um, yeah, I, I'm like, uh, like this is just a disclaimer, not a blanket statement. No, but he's good looking. Yeah, he's good just, looking, but like I just feel like the storylines aren't good, and I, I just feel like he's good, a good actor too. I think no. I think she. He. I think he is a good actor. I just feel like the dramas that he like. Also, Park Shin Hye. If you think about it, like a lot of oh, their dramas are just overhyped for what it is. And like, I'm so sorry for saying this for anyone who's like fans of these dramas, but I honestly like. I feel like the only thing that makes these like specific dramas, and we'll get into this later, like in this in this episode, but I just feel like it's like these writers or directors are really banking on their name and not really focusing on the plot of the actual drama, which kind of sucks because, like, these, like, they're pretty good actors. But, yeah, <laughs> that's my journey. That's my journey into K-pop and Asian culture. Mm-hmm. Um, so now that we have a little bit more background knowledge on our journeys into uh, getting immersed into the Asian culture and Asian uh, media world, I think we can start moving on to uh, talking a little bit more about it and like having a deeper discussion. So yeah, Wendy, do you have any thoughts? Yeah, so one of the things that always pop up when P- 
people talk about like Korean culture and Japanese culture specifically is the term Koreaboo and Weeboo. And there's a negative connotations to those words. And yeah, whenever I expressed, well, when I was younger, like specifically high school, that was like deep into my K-pop phase. When I talk about like K-pop stuff or K-drama, people will always be like, oh my God, you're such a Korea boo. And then- Honestly, same. Like I have, it's it's very, um, like I feel like coming from an Asian- dominant school i feel like there was a lot of hypocrisy there were like i feel like there were people i'm not gonna name names but there were people there that was probably bigger fans than me when it came to k-pop but they just weren't like like visible like they weren't visible about it or they weren't really out about it and then yeah and so at the time i i don't think liking k-pop was like uh popular at that time yeah because bts blew up and stuff now it's like cool to like k-pop and stuff like that but at the time i felt like i had to hide that i like k-pop and k-drama so i whenever we would discuss oh if someone asked oh what's your favorite music i wouldn't say exo at the time it probably was but i would like do a western artist instead because i didn't want to be judged honestly same like i (sighs) Honestly, like, it really came, like, it came from my, like, the first time I was actually really judged about it was, um, like, within my family. Like, I just remember that, like, a lot of my family members, specifically my cousins, who were particularly more, like, they grew up more in the Western culture, right? Like, um, I feel like they teased me a little bit when it came to K-pop. And, like, I honestly think they had good intentions. But, yeah, like, it was... um. I think it's still a reoccurring joke, even though I'm kind of phasing out of the K-pop, K-drama, like, phase. Um, Yeah, I still feel like there's still a lot of negative connotation, even though it's blown up so big. And I feel like it's not particularly because of the media itself, but I think it's just the fandom and how intense the fandoms are. Um, Yeah, yeah. I think we should go into... The definition of what a Korean Weibo is, though. Oh yeah, let me search it up. Actually, um, so here on on Urban Dictionary, it says this is word for word. So uh, don't quote me, but uh, in terms of Urban Dictionary, a Korean boo is someone who is obsessed with Korean culture so much they denounce their own culture and call themselves Korean. They usually are K-pop fanatics, not fans or fans of League of Legends or other competitive <laughs> games popular in South Korea. However, there is a line. Um, if someone just likes the music, language, and culture, they are not classified as a Korean boo. And I feel like this is the same thing, but in terms of but for like Japan, when someone calls someone a weeaboo. So I think it's I think the fi- like there's a fine line between like um culture appreciation and liking the culture and mm-hmm. liking the music and actually wanting to be Korean at that point, you know? Like like you are willing to you're like you're sh- ashamed of your own culture and want to be a different culture. Mm. Yeah, so I think that's what a Koreaboo is or what a weeaboo is. Yeah, so all you people out there, before you call someone a Korea boo we boo, make sure. Yeah, make sure that they are not just liking the culture or appreciating the culture. Yeah. Because honestly, like, 
you know, like that's like kind of like bullying <laughs> if you think about it. Honestly, like you can you can hear my trauma through my voice because I've been called Korea boo so many times when um, I am not a Korea boo. I mean, I feel maybe they're uh, the people who said it aren't saying it with malice, but it does have a that word does have negative connotations when you label someone as a Korea boo or wee boo. Yeah. I don't know. Some people are proud of it. Like before, I was so ashamed when someone called me Korea boo. But then I'll be like, yeah, so I'm a Korea boo. But not not that specific definition from Urban Dictionary. Like I don't denounce my own culture yeah. and want to be Korean. But like, yeah, I like K drama. I like K pop. I know. Like I, I learned a few Korean words from watching K drama, and I sometimes use it because you know I know it. Yeah. That's so like, why that. not? Honestly, like just know like I just feel like people who make fun like I feel like if you like for example um Korean dramas or Korean pop culture or Japanese pop culture I just feel that you're more cultured you're more well-versed more well-rounded you know more about the world you're more open-minded and I think that's what most of these individuals are who because like if you think about it you're pretty much you're pretty much going into um like you're pretty much learning and you're, you're exposing yourself to media that's not your original language, right? So I feel like that takes a lot of open-mindedness and like, a, like being open to trying new things. And those are the people that you should vibe with, not like those closed-minded people that think that in 2021, calling someone a Korea boo is a derogatory term, you know? <laughs> but yeah. Oh, Albert, why do you think... And I know you know the answer to this, or you said you know the answer to this. So there's a term for like people liking Korean and Japanese culture. So it's called Korea boo and Weibo, right? So why isn't there like a term for other cultures like Chinese or ja- or like Filipino, Indian? Um, so there's probably words for them that we probably don't know of since like in the Western world, it's not well known. However, from what I've watch so like a lot of the research that i've done and like through like uh youtube videos articles and even tiktoks like tiktok is actually very informative these days (laughs) but um it really comes down to soft power so pretty much um there's two different things there's soft power and there's hard power and soft power and hard like we'll talk about hard power first so hard power is like having the weapons the army like having the military strength right However, soft power, on the other hand, is like having that cultural influence and like being having that uh, having those strong relationships between countries, right? So comparing, for example, let's stick to Korea, right? Um, comparing Korea to China, for example, um, from a lot of the research that I've done, Korea actually like Korea has a lot more soft power, so they have a lot more influence in the world. So specifically through what they consider the Hallyu wave, where they're like between 2010 and now, there's like a lot of Korean culture being exposed, like Korean beauty and stuff like that. So that's considered soft power, and that's how much influence uh, South Korea has in towards like the rest of the world, right? However, for China, like although we have like although we know a lot about China through like politics and stuff like that, um, a lot of their media is very, it's very domestic and they very like stick to their, like stick to their area. Like they only, they pretty much, I believe they only transport media to other Asian countries, if not even just Korea or Japan. And like, that's the reason why we don't really have like 
crazy Chinese media fanatics or Chinese pop fanatics, right? It's because their soft power is particularly not as strong as Korea or Japan. And I think that's one of the main reasons why we don't really have these, I don't know what you would call them, like China boos? (laughs) But like... But like that's essentially one of the reasons why it's. I think it really comes down to soft power and the amount of influence they have on the Western world and other parts of the world. Mm. I also want to add this, and I might cut this out if it sounds like politically too, uh, controversial. But okay. China is very so. China has a lot of censorship. So even I know that China only allow a few Hollywood movies into China, like. I think they only allow like 10. Don't quote me on that. There's like a specific amount China allow. And I think Avengers made it like that movie, Endgame, I think. But they have a lot of censorship. Like if a movie has like an Asian actor or an an Asian actor playing a role that is per se evil and it portrays China in like an evil... Or negative light. So, yeah, they won't want that movie in China. Yeah. And I think that's like that also adds to soft power as well. Because if you think about it, like, don't quote me, because I'm not an expert in this. However, from what I've seen, it's that like through that expand through that um example alone, there's not really that many transfer of information or transfer of media between the East and the West, specifically with China and the US, right? However, compared to like South Korea, for example, where you you see like BTS performing the Grammys or other like award shows or like just like just this past weekend where um, uh, two Asian two Asian Ameri- like two Asians won Oscars, right? I, f- I forgot what their name is. Let me search it up. But yeah, so uh, Yoon Ya Jung won Best Supporting Actress for um, Minari and Chloe Zhao won Best Director, which is I believe she's the first director first female director of color in 93 years who became who won the who won the academy award right so good for them i was so happy and like i was listening to their speeches and i was like yes i love yeah. it i love female asians honestly like, stuff in oscars i'm just happy that they're finally being acknowledged because like if you think about it it's like it's not even about korea or weabu anymore but like if you look at the quality of the media being produced and at the rate the media is being produced in South Korea, just for example, like it's very good. Like it's like, I feel like even like the budget 10 minute dramas, they're better quality than a lot of the, like a lot of the Western dramas that I see today. So that's Albert's opinion. (laughs) That's my opinion. It's like not a blanket statement, just my opinion. Um, So like, if you go, if you look at the current climate in the U S for example, right. Um, we, as Canadians looking, like looking from the outside in, right, we usually see like China being perceived in a negative light in the US usually, right? So we don't like that being said, like with already like fears of communism or whatever it is that like America is afraid of or, um, or dislikes about China. That's why they don't get to experience the culture right they don't they don't get like i feel like aside from food what else do they really experience aside from china right because like even like i find it even hard to find chinese dramas online too <laughs> like it's really hard to find like english sub chinese dramas 
To be honest, um, when I was younger and I watched a lot of Hong Kong dramas, they were really good. I love their storylines. And they had like a group of actors that were very well known. And some of them still stayed in Hong Kong, but a lot of them left to mainland China to make more money. But when I was, I think it was around 2010, that era, that was the most prime time for Hong Kong dramas because that's Mm -hmm. what I watched. But um, yeah, I don't watch as much Hong Kong slash Chinese media because I don't see it as much on, like, I don't see it on Netflix as much. I see Taiwanese dramas, but... Same. I see a lot of Taiwanese dramas. I don't really, that doesn't really interest me. Yeah. You're right. I actually haven't seen any, like, Hong Kong or Chinese dramas in Netflix. Yeah, and it's probably what related back to what you said of how China doesn't really have the soft power and they don't really release a lot of Yeah, they don't really expose themselves. Yeah. To, like, the popular culture or Western culture. Because they don't, I don't think they want our approval per se, right? Yeah. They just care about themselves. I mean, like, there's a billion of them. I feel like they can sustain their own economy. Like, look at Bollywood, (laughs) for example. Like, we don't, we don't really, like, only, like, once in a blue moon, we see an actual Bollywood movie coming out or, like, a Bollywood actress like Priyanka Chopra, for example. However, like, we, like, even though the West, like, even though Western culture doesn't, like, I don't know, accept it or are open or um, are exposed to it as often, like, it's still a booming industry considering the fact there's, like, over a billion, like, people in Mm -hmm. India and in, like, South Asia, right? So, I mean, like, for those of you who are listening in the Western world, like, (laughs) like, the world is pretty big. So, (laughs) yeah, like, there's a lot, there's a lot to explore. There's a lot of different cultures to really immerse yourself in. But yeah, so that being said... Um, to celebrate our quote-unquote Korea bonus or Asian bonus, um, we've actually comprised a list of um, our top five movie and shows, Asian movie and shows, and our top five Asian artists slash songs. So yeah. um, I know that we talked about this beforehand, but we do like we couldn't we both couldn't really decide. So we ha- we do have a lot of honorable mentions, but we will state our top five first. We will state our top five and explain them in more detail. Yeah. But we we'll also forth? give you a list of our honorable mentions that you guys should check out if you haven't already. Yeah, I feel like <laughs> like our list is like um, I don't know. I don't want to toot our own horn, but I feel like my list personally is pretty good. And I don't know. I've known to have pretty like pretty trash taste in dramas because I'm very into like. As a preface, my my favorite drama is like I love a good like love triangle. You know, oh, like okay. I like it. Oh, when... let's just explain our favorite types of movies slash dramas. Yeah, why don't we do that? <laughs> okay, I'll start. Okay. So for me, my favorite like archetype in movies or in stories are tragedies for some reason like really yeah like not full-on tragedies where there's no happy ending but like if there is a big tragedy or like a love uh story that you know isn't accomplished i i don't know why it gets me the most it makes my heart clench and i i often like (laughs) those movies the most or it's often um a storyline about family again i think it comes down to Asian culture where family is like a very important um, genre or not genre but 
value. So mm -hmm. that's why I really like dramas or TV shows that centers around family drama and stuff yeah. like that. Or you? What about you? Um, so I actually have two. Like, I'm a I'm a history buff, so I really love history dramas. Like, I don't even care. Like, I usually watch a lot of Korean historical dramas or Chinese historical dramas or even Filipino historical dramas and I'm, like, I'm very into that like I just like the like the court intrigue and like um, how scandalous it was to like see someone out with it, like how like you know like back then it was very scandalous to see like a girl out with a guy at night and then like not like completely ruined everything i like i like those type of archetypes because like it's like i it's like it really takes me back to simpler times you know i know and, and i i kind of agree with you too because um i feel like a, a lot of like the majority of my list is like the his or the time zone is historical mm, yeah i don't have any on my but i don't know we'll see but another archetype that archetype that i really like is, archetype. Ar it's archetype, right? I thought it was archetype. Go Google um, it. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. I'm not Googling it. But um, I'm going to say archetype. But my favorite archetype um, or character progression is I love a good love triangle. That's what I've said previously already. It's like I just... I love it when specifically like two guys fight over a girl. And like my archetype. favorite type... Archetype. <laughs> archetype. 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 Okay, fine. Archetype. But like, wait, are we cutting that out? No. Okay. I want the audience <laughs> to know that I'm right. Okay, fine. Um, yeah, but like, uh, my favorite archetype specifically is like, in the beginning, so... <laughs> This is very specific, but it's like the, the the main guy is very rude to the girl, and then like um she he's like I'm never gonna like this girl, okay. and then like later they start falling in love, and Let after me tell that you, that is called enemies to lovers. No, no, no. But I feel like I like it when there's like this one instance where like he goes way too far with his being rudeness and then he regrets it and then like right after like when when he regrets it she falls in love with the second lead already oh. and then, <laughs> i just love i love that art archetype like it's so good like it just makes my heart clench you know that feeling where you feel like you're getting a heart attack but you're not <sighs> okay but yeah but that being said i think we can start with our top five movies and shows okay um I think Albert has this on his list, but my number five is a Korean drama, and I literally just finished season two, and it's The oh Penthouse. Yeah. For those of you who don't know what it is, it's actually crazy. It's like, it's literally like the most insane drama you could watch right now. Yeah, so without spoilers, there's just a lot of subplots in that drama that I really like, and mm. the uh, it's basically a revenge kind of drama, I feel yeah. like. And I love revenge plots too, a revenge plot line. And I feel like the main character, I feel like only you, you're basically only rooting for one person in that whole drama or that whole series. I'm rooting for two. Okay, fine. Okay, yeah, there's two. But <laughs> yeah, the whole, the whole series, there's just so much evil. And so much corruption, I feel like. And yeah. I don't know, it just, the plot twist sometimes just, oh, I was just like, what? And yeah, it's just yeah. really good. 
just like a, like just to preface anyone who is willing who is willing to take on this emotional toll on your body um 90 of the time you will be so heated like your blood pressure will literally go up like you would be fuming after an episode mm-hmm. <laughs> but i was watching until episode three and there was already so much going on so i yeah. like literally from episode one you would get hooked in my opinion yeah i originally did not want to watch it because like the cast is so big there's like what like there's like fifth like technically just like around like 15 main characters right or like mm-hmm. around that much right that mm-hmm. like they circle around 15 people and like i usually don't have the mental capacity <laughs> to handle that many storylines but they really they're able to really do it well you know in this drama that's why mm-hmm. i i actually ranked this number one so thank you for ruining my number one <laughs> well now but, yeah. you know this is albert's number one so um for those of you who are watching season one season two there are three seasons to this drama yeah. and i believe the third season is coming out in mid-june this year so yes. yeah we'll I'm see so how it excited. ends albert we should watch it together yeah we will <laughs> we can watch the first we can watch the season premiere okay okay what's your number five so my number five it's actually like a relatively it's a it's a current drama but it already finished airing it's called um she would never know and it involved and it stars um rowan or rowan from sf9 and Won jina so pretty much the reason why i like this is that it's like the perfect winter to spring transition it's like such a sweet love it's like it doesn't have the it doesn't have the love triangle well it does actually <laughs> in the beginning it has like the love triangle archetype but as the drama progresses you already know like who the person's going to end up with but it's essentially not to give anything away the plot of this is pretty much um there's this girl who works at a beauty marketing like she's a marketer for a beauty firm right for like a beauty cosmetic brand and she falls she falls in love uh and she has like the secret romance work romance with her boss right however things turn out and a lot of things get exposed and her perfect love is not as perfect as it seems and she ends up um she ends up uh building a relationship with someone who is three years younger than her um and that's all i can share without spoiling anything but it's such a good drama literally if you're looking for like a sweet like fun drama um i would suggest that it's really good Mm -hmm. i feel like korean dramas like to explore a lot of those where the male lead is younger than the female lead like not not in the sense of an actor and actress more like the characters i feel like they started getting into that recently because like i feel like before it was more like the girl is younger than the guy but I feel mm. like they're being more open to... There's a lot of new dramas recently, like within the past two years, where um, they're really going for that um, older woman falls in love with the younger guy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So it's a really good drama. Like, it's only 16 episodes, I think, which is the standard for Korean dramas. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So moving on to number four. What's your number four, Wendy? <laughs> okay, number four for me is another K-drama, and... You probably already watched it too, and it's also very popular, so people will probably already watch this. But it is Crash Landing on You, Ooh, so it was released in 2019, one. and uh, it's like a romance drama. And the plot is basically about 
this self-made woman, right, kind of, and she was going skydiving, and there was this, uh, I think it was a tornado. Yeah, it's the weirdest, like, literally the weirdest part. (laughs) And it, like, flew her skydiving. Well, there's, like, an accident, and then she ended up being in North Korea, which is (laughs) totally different to South Korea. Yeah. And there was this North Korean soldier who basically helps her out and, you know, they fall in love and, you know, just other plots into, like, put into it. But in the end, um, there was a happy ending. But I just like, like, basically the middle part was the best part, in my opinion. And I don't want to... I can't spoil it, but, like... Yeah, I I can't spoil it, but... Remember when I said I like tragic stuff, like tra- tragic storylines? There was like a scene where I just thought it was so tragic. And I'm like, ah. it hurts. Oh, well. I, know what you're talk- I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, it's watch more it. It's like middle, middle slash ending where that happened. But yeah, that's my fourth. Ooh, okay. So... My fourth is actually a Taiwanese drama, and I just finished it. It's called Lost Romance, and it stars Marcus Chang and Vivian Sung. It aired last year in 2020, I believe. Like, yeah, but essentially, <laughs> it's such a good drama. It's like, um, I've always wait, been into... Wait, what's the title again? Uh, Lost Romance. So, um, for those of you who do not know, um, that's pretty much the story plot is, um, without giving it too much away, there's a, it's pretty much a rich, a rich boy, poor girl story um, is the archetype. It's pretty much, no, but no, no, no. I know you're laughing right now because we're, um, I love I can, those stories though. I, I actually like, you know, rich boy. Oh, you're gonna, you're, you're gonna love this. So essentially, like the best drama that kind of relates to it is, do you know W? Yeah. So it's kind of like that where um so the like the poor girl she's um she's an editor for this uh fanfic book publishing company and uh there she works right across from this like big enterprise company where uh the CEO is this young hot 30 something year old guy billionaire guy and then um a tragedy happens well you're going to see in the first episode but pretty much he falls he falls 30 stories but somehow still survives but he ends up in a coma and then um the girl she falls into a coma too but then she while she's in a coma she falls she goes into the comic book in which she was editing um for her public for her publishing company and the ceo in that book looks exactly like the guy uh looks exactly like the guy who, like the big CEO guy that lives right, like that works right across from her. And however, like she's the only one who is aware that this is a comic book where everyone else doesn't. So she grows to fall, like she, she grows to fall in love and like builds a relationship with this fake CEO. And you don't know what happens when she finally wakes up. So. (laughs) um, But I kind of don't like those type of plots where, okay, I, Watch W. I didn't really like W. Oh, no, I didn't like it either. I feel like, no, I, I didn't finish W, but... I finished it. I just didn't like the ending. 
oh no, I didn't like it, so I didn't finish it. But it's it's not like the only thing that's similar with W is the fact that she fall she jumps into a comic book, but that's the only similarity. Mm. It's a really good drama. I think it was. I think that was the drama that sparked my interest for Taiwanese dramas. And that's on Netflix. <laughs> no, it's not. It's um, I watched it illegally. Okay. <laughs> um, the thing for me is. I don't like how. Do you ever notice when you watch Taiwanese dramas, it's like when they talk, it doesn't match their mouth. Like, oh, like it, it's being dubbed. Yes, it's not really being dubbed, but for some reason, it sounds or looks like it's being dubbed. I don't know I, why. That's I like know what you mean. The same with all like mainland China stuff or movies or series. I always find that whenever they're speaking Mandarin or Taiwanese. They just seem off, right? I don't know why. I know I think it's different for this. Like it's different for this drama. I don't know. This was like, I know what you're talking about, and that's what really deterred me from watching like Chinese slash Taiwanese dramas. But over time, like, I like this drama. Like it, it was such high budget. Like it was so good quality. Like I don't know what happened, but there was no sync. Like it didn't look like they were syncing, like lip syncing or something.、Mm. But yeah. Okay, on to number three. Okay, so for my number three, it is a Hong Kong drama, and it is called No Regrets, and it's kind of old. It was、uh, released in two thousand and ten, so ten years old. But I remember watching this when I was very not very young, but when I was young, and I sometimes when I'm bored, I would rewatch this drama, and I just like it because. It talks about loyalty. The plot is kind of very. It's hard to. I. I. It's been a while, so I don't really know exactly the plot. But it's something around about this guy who is kind of. He works in like the police force, and this was set in 1930s,、mm-hmm. where there was a war between China and Japan. Okay. So the Japanese, I think, they were invading the、um, the Chinese. And it centers around these main characters. This, the main girl character is like the daughter of this, um, of this guy who's very powerful. And then we have the main lead, which is a guy who's just he works at the police force, but he doesn't have that much power. And then they meet each other and they kind of use each other and help each other out, and they try to save a lot of people. Because you know it was during the war times, and it talks a lot about loyalty. Because there was like this one character who was like very—he was like a wimp, but he made it into the police force because his grandma like sold a lot of money to get him there. But he's kind of like a wimp, and he's scared of guns and stuff like that. And they all kind of made fun of him. And、um, there was a incident where he was framed of murder, and the main character kind of helped him out, and then. You know loyalty and stuff like that, so I really like that. And there's a, a lot of little subplots in that drama as well. I think it won some awards.、Ooh. Yeah, it's a really good, good drama. <laughs> I feel like you'll only like it if you understand Chinese history, though.、Mm, I know what you mean. But yeah. Um. So,、okay. moving on to the historical dramas,、um, one of my All-time favorite. I don't even know when this was filmed, and I actually don't really remember it. But it was my first fifty-episode Korean drama that I watched, 
and it's called Empress Key. It was so good. Um, it had Ji Chang Wook in it, and this was like one of his very early dramas, like very early dramas. Like I think he was like a newbie, I think. And essentially, what it was, if I if my if my memory does not fail me, is that it was pretty much about this woman who is in a love triangle with the king of Korea or Joseon and like the, the future emperor of China. And literally um, it's pretty much just like, I don't even know if she was of noble birth, but like, it was something like, I don't even know how it ended to be honest, but it was such a good drama. Like literally like, I think it aired in 2014, 2015. And I, I, I even forgot what his name was. Wait, but like Empress Key is such a good drama. Like if you're looking for something to just binge watch within it's like 2013. Oh, 2013, even even earlier. But literally, like it was such a good drama. Mm, yeah. I heard of it. Yeah, it's um I think like it won a lot of awards during its time. Like it was yeah. I think it was considered like one of the best historical dramas like in his like to date during their time. Um, it was like it was historically correct well like as much as it can be you know Um, and I think it was based it was based on an actual like it was based on an actual Chinese empress so like this is pretty much like a anthology or like a biography of her life so if you're looking for powerful strong women um, and uh, two rivaling nations fighting over a strong independent woman I think this is a good drama for you (laughs) Um, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, on to my second favorite drama. So it's another Hong Kong drama, and it is called A Fistful Stances. Uh, this was in uh out in two thousand and ten. So like the same year as No Regrets. That's why I'm saying two thousand and ten was probably the year of best dramas for Hong Kong, <laughs> in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And the storyline is what is so good about this drama. And whenever um, people ask me for Hong Kong recommendations, I always recommend this one, but it always turns people away because it's also a t- like a historical drama and it's about martial arts. So yeah. people don't like that, but I don't know why I'm always, I always gravitate towards martial art drama, like TV series for mm-hmm. Hong Kong series. So anyways, it's about basically there are these two families. Um, they own martial arts training school. And um, there was a tragedy that happened his, in history, which made these two families have a ri- rivalry. And their kids also have that kind of same rivalry in the present. So that's basically the whole storyline of basically two two families fighting and yeah really really recommend this i love this storyline or this this hong kong drama i was actually trying to rewatch it but i couldn't find any of the links really old so mm. yeah i need to find it but <laughs> now on to your number two which is the last drama you recommend because we know what your first one is okay actually i am gonna change it up i actually know what my number one drama is now and penthouse is still up there but um since you already know that like i'll, I'll put it at sixth place because i still have oh. a number one drama because like there's this drama that i 
rewatch. I think I've rewatched like four times already. But my number one, my number two drama is actually a Filipino drama. Like, I feel like, um, I feel like Filipino dramas don't get enough cred because even though like they last like six, seven months, even longer probably, there's actually this one drama, I'm not even joking you, it aired when I was in, when I was in grade nine and it's not done yet. Like, <laughs> like it's insane. Like these, like seven people have already died already. Like the, whatever. But my favorite Filipino drama of all time is called Panako Sayo. And it's pretty much, um, the English translation is, my promise to you and there's actually it's it's so big in the philippines that they actually did so i think it was first aired in like the early 2000s and then it got rebooted in like 2018 with like a new love team and essentially what it's about what is it about (laughs) sorry it's like oh my god what is it oh so pretty much without spoiling well there's really nothing to spoil but essentially it's about this um it's about this poor girl who lives in the who lives in the country, um, falls in love with an ashendero, which in the Philippines is someone who owns like a big plot of land. So pretty much think of like um, like, like a CEO. Uh, no, no, no. He's like a farm owner. Like he's an owner of farms. Okay, so he's rich. He's rich essentially, and he's also like the governor of the area, right? Uh huh. So they have like this very wholesome love and stuff like that, right? However, like there's um. However, I believe that the rich guy was also, like, there was already an arranged marriage with this rich girl, right? With another rich girl. And she is absolutely, like, vile. She's so evil, so rude. So (laughs) what she does is that she has the, she has the girl raped. Like, she pays people to rape her, like, trigger warning, right? Um, And then she, something happens, and then she leaves um oh no um and because of that she gives birth she gives birth you know she has a baby from that rape from being raped right um but then i believe something happens and then she has to oh she leaves the country to work as an overseas filipino worker and then when she comes back she finds out that a huge earthquake devastated her entire area and everyone died and she doesn't know she doesn't know what happened right and she she vows to um, take revenge on everyone that's hurt her. And so she's like super poor, right? But then 20 years pass by and she becomes so rich. Like she becomes mega rich and she becomes rich by um, marrying into like this Middle Eastern, like like the, becoming a wife of this Middle Eastern family. And then um, she becomes super rich while uh, the person, while the family, like while her ex-lover, um, and her vile wife becomes super poor and like they're struggling to survive. So it's pretty much like a revenge story, which is really good. And then like it becomes enemies to lovers. And like it happened like it's a span of like eight months. It's an eight-month drama. But for anyone who is looking for a good Filipino drama, like I think this is an OG that you should watch. It's pretty good. I don't know where you can watch it though. Like there's not many places where it's English like English sub, but if you find it like on Daily Motion or YouTube is probably up there somewhere. But yeah, that's my number two. Sorry, that was a very it long sounds, explanation. It sounds interesting, but you know, like you said, it's probably hard to find. It's very hard to find. And I it's very like I feel like there's a lot of going around the bush. Like you're running around the bush a lot. Like it's um like 
the story there just keeps filler on filler episodes there's a lot of filler episodes so oh, okay um, there's Makes that sense if it's still airing today oh no no it's not airing anymore oh but um yeah i mean for an eight month drama or to a year drama like they even have like so they have like you know like those dramas that start off when you're really young and after that they flash forward to like 20 years down the road and after that they flash forward to another 20 years down the road it's like it's something like that mm. so there's that drama but yeah so mm-hmm. Wendy, what's your number one <laughs> okay my number one drama well, drum roll please people who know me already know my all-time favorite drama is a k-drama okay it's called moon lovers scarlet heart rio oh my god wait i completely forgot about it yo that drama it's okay, so good yeah, that's my all-time favorite drama and whenever again whenever i recommend that drama to people they always get turned off because it's a historical drama yeah. but it just there's so much so many tragedies Okay, maybe people don't like it because of the tragedies too, but like... I hated the tragedies. But there's so much, like, the love story is amazing. I love the subplots and like you learn, I feel like a big message you learn from it is that, you know, you don't always get a happy ending, which I love. I don't, you know, sometimes for me... You love that? I don't like when movies or TV series always end on a happy note because it's not realistic. True. Like, not everyone's going to get a happy ending. Yeah, it was pretty bittersweet. It was sad, the ending. No, it was pretty bittersweet. It was, like, it was nice in the end. Like, I mean, like, mm. without giving it away, I don't know, like, how how do you think it would have ended, you know? <laughs> like, what other way well, would it Okay, first of all, this is based off a Chinese novel, so... Oh, yeah, I know, yeah. Yeah, I, I kind of watched a Chinese version of this. Uh, this came the Chinese version came first and the one of the actors in the Chinese version is actually a main character in A Fistful of Stances actually really yeah but anyways um, I didn't really like the Chinese version because I don't know like I said before for some it was Mando so I don't really like like the delay dubbing yeah yeah it's like I don't know why I think it's just production I don't know but production, yeah. I like this because so basically the story is about this girl in like the current time. So like in the current time zone. Mm-hmm. She time like zone. <laughs> she, she like there was a child in I think a lake or some kind of water thing. Yeah, yeah. He was drowning and she wanted to save him. So she went in and saved him, but then it was some mystical thing that happened. It was during a solar eclipse, I think. And then she like, quote unquote, drowned or died or whatever. And then she ended up in the Josen era. I think that's what you call it. No, no, no. It was in, no, it It was in the Goryeo. Goryeo. It was like the, it was the. The Goryeo dynasty. Yeah, it was that before it. Yeah. Yeah. it was 941 years back, I think. Anyway, she was in a body of somebody, but... Um, it was not her. <laughs> yeah, it was not her. She just ended up in somebody's body, but it's the same, you know, face and stuff, right? And it's like a love story between this 
the eighth prince and the fourth prince. You're going to know this if you read the synopsis anyway, so I'm not really giving anything away, but there's also a lot of different like princes in this like palace. There's like the third okay. prince, the crown prince, which is like the prince that's supposed to be the king, the tenth prince. It's an eighth prince, right? Yeah, the eighth prince, that's like who she like fell in love with at first. Yeah. And then there's like 13th prince, you know, there's a lot of princes and each of them have like their own storylines. And it's kind of like, I've read this on Tumblr, but you know, Heisu, the main girl character who was played by IU, she basically brings all the boys to the yard. Because yeah, honestly, her milkshake, I mean, or her, her skincare brings all the boys to the yard. I'm not even joking you. Also to preface this, everyone in this show is good looking. The entire cast. I know, okay. I just also want to say why I love this drama first. Acting is great. Uh, the, the, the set is amazing. It's so beautiful. Yeah, Cinematography is. is great. The soundtrack is so good. It was I so good. I literally re-listened to the soundtrack and I have tears because it reminds me of some scenes. You know, do you know that do you know that opera song when like they sing yeah. it when everyone, when everyone like you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I cry. Uh, okay, but that is my favorite, and honestly, everyone needs to watch it, and you know, message me or message our Instagram. And talk to if me you about watched it. it. Yeah, yeah, we will go on a video call with you. <laughs> it's that good. Uh, yeah, that that drama was what you know got me through first year of university, and it also is part of the reason why I didn't do good on my exams because I would binge watch it. Like I rewatched that drama. I would binge watch it before reviewing for an exam. Oh, so that was like your that was like your that was my escape ritual. Yeah, like you, like how you binge watched the Twilight series. Okay, well, you don't have to expose me like that, but yeah, okay. <laughs> okay, your turn. Okay, so um, although Penthouse was my number one, I gotta say that my number number one is called Marriage Not Dating, and it aired in twenty fourteen, I believe, and literally it was it's literally the like the summer drama that you dream of like literally like it gives you the summer vibes it gives you like it gives you everything that you need in a korean drama so essentially what happens is that there's this girl right um she is just looking for love she wants to get married right she's at that age like that ripe age of like 28 wants to get married wants to have them babies um and then uh so when she wants to propose to her boyfriend because she was just like might as well make me propose right she pretty much scares off her boyfriend and she she gets labeled as like this psycho girlfriend who is like has attachment issues right so they break it off and the rest of the story is that she meets this other guy right who is the friend of the person that she once dated so she's so it's the guy that it's the guy's it's her ex-boyfriend's best friend right so uh she uh pretty much has this plot with this guy because this guy does not want to get married right however she's he comes from like a very rich family once again you can see the theme right poor girl rich guy um so she has like um 
he wants to, he makes this plan that to get her to get his parents off his back from getting married he fakes this proposal with this like this girl who seems to be rowdy like not the perfect daughter-in-law crazy right and um so that like once he finally gets his parents off his back um he can live his life as a playboy can live his life right but little does he know that he starts having feelings for this girl and literally this drama like the cast is beautiful everyone is a good like the cinematography is amazing the music the ost literally i still have it on my phone like it's it's been on my phone for like seven years now it's that good um yeah like when you watch this you'll you'll want to get married yourself like it's such a good drama i don't Uh. i don't think it i don't think it compares to scarlet heart by no means but um yeah it's like it's one of the best dramas that I've watched to mm-hmm. this day, and like I wish I wish dramas were still like that, you know. Like I feel like dramas today they're very, like if you watch Korean dramas specifically, I feel like they have trends. So like there's a formula. Yeah, there's like a formula to it, and like I feel like so usually they have a lot of dramas they focus on one profession like during one season, right? So before like I swear there was like. 10 dramas airing all at once that was about becoming a doctor and then there was like a bunch of dramas where you where they were all like fashion designers and then I think like right now a lot of dramas are like revolving around like law like uh, like becoming lawyers like Vincenzo for example or law school like it's a it's like a lot about breaking the law or like becoming a lawyer and stuff like that so yeah there's also a formula that I've noticed, like, just side note, that have you noticed that in a lot of Korean dramas that you, like, the girl, like, the person that the girl ends up with is always the first person they meet. Like, Usually. like the very, very first person. Like, even though they, they're not the first person, per se, on screen, they probably met when they were children or something, you know? Yeah. Like, that's, like, that's how you know who the first lead and second lead is. Yeah. It's different, though, for Scarlet Heart, right? Who did she meet first? She met. We do. We don't want to spoil it. Oh yeah, we can't spoil it. I'm sorry. Okay, but also I want to note that uh, apparently Scarlet Heart is deemed like a failure in Korea. I don't know why. Really? Yeah. Like according to their wiki page, it's not. It was a commercial failure or whatever because there was like a lot of production cost and like the. The ends weren't made or whatever you call it. Also, like their budget was way, like their budget was higher. Their costs were higher than their profits. Yeah, apparently. Oh, honestly, I was wanting a side. I loved it. And apparently there was a season two, but because it was a failure, it got canceled. Because like, so for those of you who don't know, in the Chinese version, the season two is that everyone gets reincarnated and like they're all like siblings in like a big business company, right? I don't know. I didn't re- I didn't watch the second oh, season but in the that's Chinese version. But like from what I know that the second I just know they got reincarnated and it's yeah. like the same actors or whatever. But it's like in modern day. Yeah. I uh, wish that they could do that. Uh. Honestly, like at this point they're probably not. It's been already what, like six years since it aired? Apparently the actor, like the main actor was like if everyone in the cast is down, he will be so down to, like, film a season two. Ooh. But it's been, like, I don't know, four years, so. Yeah, it's been a long time. 
we'll see. One can hope. Hopefully, this podcast is so powerful enough to bring it to fruition, you know? But yeah, but for those, honestly, watch Marriage Not Dating, watch um, Scarlet Heart Rio. But I do know we have special mentions. And we'll just. Oh, like, yeah. Okay. I have a list. We're not going to go into detail yeah. what, what it's about, but I have a list of things that you should consider watching as well that are pretty good. Okay. Okay. So for K dramas, I have While You Were Sleeping, okay. which has uh, Lee Jong Suk and Susie. Yes. It's a K drama. And then there's Healer, which has Ji Chan Wook. I love Healer. Yeah. And um that's it for k dramas i have for honorable mentions and then for hong kong dramas i have a bit because when i was younger i used to watch hong kong dramas a lot now i don't really watch it because the storylines suck and i don't really like the actors but for hong kong dramas there's this one who which is really old called the bitter bitter bitten um war and destiny a Journey Called Life, Grace Under Fire, Forensic Heroes, and Moonlight Resonance. Go watch those. And then I have honorable <laughs> mentions for anime, which I'm not really an anime fan. I just honestly only watch it when I literally have nothing else to watch and I'm very bored. But I do, I did enjoy Maid Sama. That's my number one anime that I would rewatch. It's a romance re- anime. And I did enjoy Death Note. Ooh, I, wa- I have Death Note as my honorable mention too. It's pretty good. But yeah. Okay, your me, turn. Yeah, for me, I ha- most of my dramas that I have honorable mentions are currently airing. So one of them is called Summer Guys. And it's, it's a short drama. Like it's not like the one hour is usually, it's like the, 20 it's like 20 30 minutes and it stars Kang Mina from Gugudan or Produce 101 and Lee Jung Shin from CM Blue um another episode I mean another show that I like I recommend watching is Law School I am only on episode two right now but it's it gives you like a crime scene like it gives you everything that you want in like a law drama it's pretty I good I saw that on Netflix yeah it's actually pretty good it's on Netflix right now too um my other honorable mention is Kingdom season one, season two. It was the first Korean collaboration with Netflix, and um, it's so good. I would watch like it's very short, like it's ten seasons, eight seasons for each season. Um, really good. It's like if it's you like ten seasons. No, 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 ten episodes per season. <laughs> I was like, you were like, oh, it's very short. It's like ten seasons, eight seasons. I'm like, what? <laughs> no, 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 no. It's two seasons, ten to eight episodes each season. Um, it's if you, if you like Train to Busan, for example. Um, oh, oh, my God. Also, yeah. Um, <gasps> that could have been one of my Asian movies. Yeah, no. So one of my, so that being said, <laughs> one of my other honorable mention is pretty much the um, Train to Busan franchise. So there's Train to Busan, Peninsula, and... I didn't like pen, pen, whatever, the second one. What was the other one? It was the one where, like, he was trapped in his house and there was Park Shin-A in it. Oh, alive! Hashtag alive. So those three movies all circulate around the same pandemic. So if you like zombies, if you like, um, you know, people eating their brains out, um, and like these are not like these are not like the Walking Dead slow walking zombies. These are like runners. Like they're they're like sprinting. You know, like they're sprinting at you. Um, so Kingdom is 
then again, also, like, a lot of people don't like Kingdom specifically because it's a historical drama, but trust me, it's a good drama. And um, in terms of other, like, Asian, I'm actually watching this, it's called, it's a reality show, so I don't know if this counts, but I am watching this Chinese show called Youth With You, season three. Um, it's pretty much like a version of Produce 101, but for China. Mm. Yeah, and then I'm I also... I know what you're talking about. <laughs> it's I good. never watched it. Um, and my last one is it's on Netflix so it's actually a franchise so the first movie is called Four Sisters and a Wedding it's a Filipino drama but it's a Filipino movie by the way so it's um, called Four Sisters and a Wedding and there's uh, the prequel to that but it's it was filmed later it's called Four Sisters Before the Wedding so <laughs> uh, yeah there's also actually no I have one more I'm sorry, oh. I'm sorry. Um, it's I don't really consider it an Asian drama but it's a very diverse cast, and it's called Shadow and Bone. And it literally, oh, I saw it on yeah. um, Netflix. There was like a lot of good reviews on it. It's so good. I'm not even joking you. It <gasps> so it literally just aired like April 24th. I binge watched it on the day it came out, and it start. I'm so happy. It stars um an Asian actress called Jessie Mae Lee, and they also have another one called um another Asian actor called um, Amita Suman. Uh, so I believe she's South Asian descent uh, but it's pretty much like it's based on the story and I know that we're not supposed to go into it but essentially the plot of it is that there's this big shadow fold where there's like evilness and stuff like that that's dividing this country called Ravka into the east and west and then there's only one person um, there's like there's only one way to like they're trying to find a way to solve it and to like mm-hmm. remove the darkness forever but i mm-hmm. i know you should watch it it's so good i'll probably watch it after filming this podcast <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so those are our top movies shows um, yeah so. this i feel like we need another episode where we just talk about our favorite movies because albert and i just like watching movies yeah, honestly, not even Asian related. Like, I feel like as what we said in episode zero, we literally are the type of people that um, when we were going to school together in person, we literally went every Tuesday to watch a movie, even though like there weren't any good movies out, we would watch whatever movie there was. Yeah, sometimes it turned out good. Like, I remember we watched Game Night with Jason Bateman. Oh, yeah, we thought that we thought we honestly, it was just like, um, it was like a shits and giggles thing to do. Like, we well, it was like the only movie that seemed decent. So we bought it and we're like oh let's just watch it and it was so funny it was like so like i think it was one of the first movies that i actually like i actually like almost pissed my pants laughing it was so good also um i remember we watched hereditary (laughs) yeah it was so crazy like like wendy is not the type of person to get like i feel like she's more she's more solace when she's scared like she's more to herself like i'm the person who like screams and like jumps I'm the person who like who hides bes- like behind her shoulders when yeah. when like but yeah it's um yeah we should we should have another episode on that but moving on um <laughs> let's quickly go through our top five songs and artists Asian mm-hmm. art- songs and artists um I guess I'll go I first. I didn't um, oh, yeah. by the way for me I didn't list them in like favorite I just have them in my top five like I oh, okay have, like a fifth fourth third and stuff like that i don't have them either and i know that we said artists but i only have most of these songs that i'm listening to right now but um my first like well one of them that i wrote down is it's she currently came back and it's we in from mama moo and she came back with an album called red and my favorite song in the album right now is trash 
um, as well as watercolor. Honestly, if you're looking for that lo-fi, like spring summer vibe, like that you can play in the car, such a good song. Like those songs are so good. Mm-hmm. How are you? Um, on my list, I have Taman. Ooh, yeah. And it's the songs I have is Idea and Move. I just. I don't, I'm not like obsessed with Taman, but whenever he releases a single or his title tracks, I I usually always like listen to them and enjoy them. And mm-hmm. most of them are on like my K-pop workout playlist. So <laughs> whenever I'm working out I, and his songs are on, it like keeps me on track and stuff. So I, that's why I like Taman. And he dances so good. He does. Honestly, like people always like, um, like the new generation of K-pop fans, they don't really know how big of a deal Shiny was and how good they were. Like, do you remember Lucifer? That was a really yeah. Good, yeah, they were pretty good. But yeah. Um, so for me, uh, my next favorite song slash artist is actually I, I discovered this song through watching um Youth with You season three, and it's a Chinese song. It's called um Gravity by Jolin Tsai and Carrie Wang. And literally, it's so good. It's um I don't know how to explain it, but it's like it's poppy, but like it's like sweet spring. Like it gives I have like you can see a theme um in all of my songs. It's very like spring vibey, like very like light, very R and B, very like lo fi. So yeah, that's what that's my next favorite. How about mm-hmm. you? My next is it's a pretty new group, which I think they are gonna probably disband soon because some of the members are going to military. But it's Super M. Wait, um, really? What in the military? I think Bakiana ba- oh. is, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, he's going, like, this year. Yeah, so I, um, the top two songs I like from Super M is Tiger Inside and Better Days, but they also have other good songs in their album. They only have one album. Oh, well, they have one official album, and they have a mini album. So mm. I guess two. But they don't have that many songs because they're pretty new. And... The concept for this group is basically they're under this company called SM Entertainment and under SM there's like different boy groups and girl groups and they basically took the most popular members of the boy groups and put them in Super M. So they're like the Avengers of SM. So yeah, that's one of my recommendations, Albert. Um, so for me, the next two are actually, so I actually got into a lot of like, uh, while studying for my exams and stuff, I really got into like lo-fi music and uh, like jazzy R&B, like KR&B specifically. And one entertainment company that had like the best artists for this is An- Antenna Music Entertainment. And literally like... Um, in contrast to like SM Entertainment and YG Entertainment, like these artists aren't as well known. However, they're so musically talented. Like these are the producers that you see like in like that are helping out like these big labels. However, that being said, one of my favorite artists right now from that uh, entertainment company is Kwan Jina. Uh, specifically, one of her songs that I'm like really like I'm watching. I'm listening to this like repetitively, like religiously. I think I'm gonna get sick of it eventually. But it's called Fly Away. It was released in 2016, but like it re- resurfaced again. Um, but it's such a good song. Like it's so airy, spring vibes again, R&B. Um, she has an amazing voice. She has like 
an amazing R&B voice. She also, I think she was the either a finalist or the winner of K-pop star four or K-pop star three. So like, you know, she got talent. So yeah, how about you? Okay, next for me uh, is a Chinese artist called Raymond Lam. He also acts, but um, he was in one of my honorable mentions um, called Moonlight Resonance. He was in that. And some of the song, the song that I'm going to mention is, I think it plays in that drama. But Love Is Not Enough and Finding You In Loving Memory. I really love those songs. They're like also very old, but I love like listening to them. They're like <laughs> slow, slow ballad songs, I feel. Yeah. Um. Okay, so for me, my next favorite. Uh, so I said Kwan Jin as my favorite. She's also in the same entertainment company, and her name is Lee Jina. <laughs> and uh, essentially, like I think she is like the Mozart of the K-pop world. I think she is so talented in what she does. She's so well versed. She's amazing on the piano. Like she, like she makes jazz music accessible to like the to like mainstream media that's why i like her so much and like one of some of my favorite songs are like again and again um uh i forgot what her debut album is i'm searching it up right now but um what is it oh her debut album was called appetizer it was released in 2016 amazing music like it was so good however right now what i'm listening to her right now is run by her and I think it features Grey who's another R&B artist it's so good I'm not even joking like it's so intricate like I I showed this to my uh, music professor and she w- he was like astonished by how well like the like the production was the com- like the composition was and yeah like it's um she's a really good artist she's very under the radar but she I believe that she wrote a lot of music for very popular artists so yeah, give her a listen. Her most of her vibe is very jazzy, R and B, like springtime vibes. <laughs> <laughs> That's your description for all the artists so far. I don't know. I'm just like in that springtime springtime vibes. <laughs> because that's my like that's my aesthetic, you know. I like that's I mean like not aesthetic. That's like that's the your vibe favorite genre. Yeah, essentially. But yeah, how about you? What's your what's your next one? My next one is Lehigh. She's a Korean artist, and I think she Ooh. mainly does ballads or OST soundtracks. R and B too, I think, right? Uh, I'm not that sure. I don't think she's too R and B, but I, she probably has a few songs that are R and B. But my top favorite songs or top two songs from her is called "Breathe" and "My Love." And mm. "Breathe" is so sad because. Uh, for those who don't know, John Hyun helped her write that song, and he actually passed away, I think, two years ago. 2018, I believe, right? Yeah, and it's just, you know, a very special song, and when she sings it, it's just, I can hear the emotions. Mm. So, I love that song, and then My Love, that is the OST song for Scarlet Heart. I love that song, and she also had another song in Scarlet Heart. I loved it, it was good. I love yeah, that. that's why I love Lehigh. Always makes me emotional. Give me your last one, Albert. Um, so my last one is I don't know, I have honorable mentions too for this one, but um my next one is he's a Filipino artist and his name is Michael Pangalinan. He goes by Kel Pangalinan. 
um but his voice is legit like butter legit like he he can he can read to me my tax textbook and i will fall asleep <laughs> like it's so good like he does mostly covers so like he does um he know he does the rendition of week um he does renditions of um he does a cover of best part from who sang best part who's the original singer oh uh, daniel caesar um and then he also has like original music and like one of my favorite songs from him is called incomplete but yeah how are you my last one is i think it's pretty obvious that i'm an exo fan so exo <laughs> and no, i'm an exo fan too um and the songs i like is or top two is probably monster and love shot but they have so many songs really you like Exo- love shot? you don't like love shot not really wait sorry to all of the exo fans out there i'm so sorry no my favorite um oh my god i actually have so many but no yikes but um my favorite is coco pop coco pop's not bad also yeah. honorable mention i like nct all their units oh really i only like nct what's the one that that's saying oh nctu that's my favorite nctu changes I know, but like my favorite was like the original five, you know, like from who, like who performed from the Fifth Sense. Yeah, Seventh Sense. Sorry. Yeah, love that. So good. But yeah. Okay, what's your honorable mentions? Um, so I have. Okay, well, I actually had three, but now I think, like, now looking back, I think I only have two. So aside from EXO, my one of my first favorites is IU. IU loved her. She was my first K-pop idol that I've like ever stand. She will forever be my favorite. Um, my favorite songs from her is um, BB and uh, I forgot what it's called, but um, here, sorry, let me just search it up really quick. I like Celebrity. I like Celebrity too, and I said that, but there's one that I wa- like, I listen to like religiously, and I, I have like, there's a very sad story behind it. Um, oh, it's Peach. So the thing about Peach is that she, um, she sang it in memory for, uh, who's the one who died from FX? Sully. Sully, yeah. So she was very close friends with Sully, and um, she sang Peach. She wrote Peach in memory, like for Sully, when like before, um, and then it became popular again after Sully's death, uh, because you know it was just like a it was a very important song for IU, and um, it really showed her relationship with Sully. You know, uh, my also my other favorite is Red Velvet, and I actually attended their concert when they came to Toronto. Literally best experience. I love Red Velvet so much. Literally, like, I'm just sad that their contract is expiring this year. Like, I don't know if they're even going to stay in SM anymore. They will. Hopefully. And but that's what made Albert lose the, oh, well, he didn't lose, never have I ever. Well, that's what he, that's what made Albert put his finger down because he went to a Red Velvet concert. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. My favorite songs from them is uh, Blue Lemonade, which is, a B-side track, I believe, and uh, I don't know, just a lot. But I like Psycho. I love Psycho. Honestly, like, Psycho. But note, you know, it's like, it sounds like One Republic's apology, I think. It does? Yeah, so like, how does their chorus go? You got me feeling like a psycho, psycho. Okay, how about the pre-chorus? Um, na-na-na, wait. 
Na 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 na. Wait, is that, wait this, no, no, sorry, that's a different yeah. song. Wait, is that? No, it? that's right. Yeah. Okay. And apologize. It goes like. Okay, wait. Let me get back to you because I it's there's a part in that song that I don't know if it's sampled, but it sounds so similar to a One really? Republic song. Yeah. I liked Psycho. I think Psycho was honestly like the. It was such a good ending to like whatever they were doing, like because they were doing like a three, like a three comeback thing, and it sucks because one of their singers fell, like due to mismanagement, she fell and she got like severely injured, so she had to, pretty much like step, like step back from all promotions because she like legit couldn't move or dance, and she had to go into rehab. So like, um, not like not not rehab for drugs, but like rehab for, you know, like fixing the body and stuff, but yeah. So you know how, sorry to interrupt. In One Republic, it's like, tell me what you want to hear. I think oh, that song? Okay, yeah, I can see the similarities. I don't think it's like that similar though. Yeah, but literally when I first listened to it, I'm like, wait, this sounds so similar. What does it sound like? And, you know. Yeah. But yeah, it is sad. It was sad when Wendy, Wendy yeah, yeah, got hurt. I don't know, like, when we post this, we'll probably have a playlist with all of our songs that we yeah. just mentioned, and we'll leave it in a link in our Instagram, or a link tree, so uh, keep watch for that, and give it a follow if you, um, if you find any of the, our recommendations on this episode pretty interesting, but yeah, that's pretty much it for today's episode, right? Yeah. But I will say that the moral of the lesson, the, the moral... Of the, the moral, story. Yeah, the moral, sorry, moral of the lesson. The moral of the story of today's episode is don't be quick to call people Koreaboos or um, Weaboos because 99% of the time they are not. And the second thing is just to go out, explore, explore different cultures, explore not just Asian culture, for example, but explore like um, your own personal culture, explore like um, different cultures because you never know what you'll be interested in. The world is really big and you never know what they have to offer. So yeah, like be open. If you don't know, if you don't know um, the language, there are subtitles, read them. <laughs> yeah, that was like a big controversy for last year, right? Yeah. When Parasite won Best Picture. A lot of people gave them flack because it wasn't an English speaking language. And I was just like, there's, there's subtitles. You do know that, right? All right. <laughs> but yeah, be open to it. Like you never know. Like for example, Minari, was nominated for so many Oscars this year. And like I Parasite. Think, they, I don't think they won. They didn't win Best, best Picture, but I believe, like in my personal opinion, I think it was one of the better nominations this year. I don't, like, I think that was the only movie that I heard of that wasn't the Best Picture nomination. Like, I don't know the other, like, I didn't know that the others were even came out this year, you know? I heard of Mink, but I never watched it yet. It's the one with Amanda Seyfried. Seyfried, yeah. Seyfried, Seyfried. And I had Lily Collins too, right? I don't think so. I think it was Lily Collins. I don't know. But yeah, um, I guess that's it for next for our episode today. We'll probably have another episode going in deeper about movies and stuff. That's what we said in earlier in this episode. Because again, Wendy and I, we are just movie fanatics. We watch everything. <laughs> well, aside from like this year's nomination list, but like we we're, we're I would say that we're movie buffs, I guess, mm-hmm. to an extent. 
So I guess that pretty much wraps up today's episode. So if you like this episode, uh, don't forget to give us a listen, follow us, and share our podcast um, on Anchor and I believe Spotify. And I believe we're on Google Podcasts now, right? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, don't forget to give us like a listen to our other episodes. Uh, give us a follow on our Instagram at an Asian Anthology uh, to get all of the latest news and updates on all of our uh, future episodes and podcasts. And don't, uh, thank you once again for all of your support uh, for everyone who's been listening to us thus far. And we greatly appreciate it. And we'll continue on making, well, hopefully making better and um, awesome content for you guys. Um, but as for now, my name is Albert. And I'm Wendy. And thank you for watching an Asian anthology. Bye. Bye. Bye.